Awesome. Welcome to Build and Learn. My name is Colin. And I'm CJ. And we're super excited to kick off the inaugural episode of Build and Learn here. Yeah, we're doing uh, doing something new. So why why another podcast, CJ? What are we what are we trying to do here? I mean, it's super fun to hang out with you. Like I, I love hanging out with you. I feel like every single time you and I hang out, I learn something new. And I feel like I come away really energized. And this should be a really interesting and fun way to hang out. So Yeah, we got we got to hang out recently and you know, you used to live in Reno. We were both up at RailsConf a few weeks ago. And it's good to catch up and see what you're up to in Stripeland and even though you don't get to hack on rails as much these days but good to kind of see what's going on in the community and you know you were also we're going to get into our origin stories here in a a few minutes but like my entry to rails was working with you on a project a couple years ago where i had kind of bounced between every language out there and i think again yeah we both you know, like to jam and learn on things together. And, and sometimes it's programming stuff, sometimes it's personal finance and real estate. So I think there's going to be a lot of topics that we can talk about here. I think the big question is like, is this is this a software show? Is this going to be a, a coding podcast? Is this going to be a live podcast? What do you think? Where do you want to go with this? I think, yeah, I, I think we don't want to really pigeonhole ourselves yet. I think we're both, obviously, we're both software engineers. We're developers we have been building stuff on the web for a really long time and it's a great opportunity for us to really just like share what we're building right now and learn in public and then also i think it should be a pretty cool opportunity to meet other folks and bring them in and help elevate voices in the community i don't i'm also just like (laughs) i mean we have we have a whole backlog of topics but yeah i'm I'm really interested to see kind of where things go as as it evolves and Obviously, we're interested in you, the listener, what like you care about. And so if you want to hit up Colin or I on Twitter and just like let us know what you're interested in hearing about, we would love to love to know what you think. Yeah, what I love about this is that we don't have a Twitter. We don't have a domain. Usually the domain comes first. We've, we've got a name, but we don't have a domain yet. I've got a, plenty of other domains that maybe that'll be a whole nother episode for us to talk about in the future. Buying domains and then like they, they just end up in the graveyard of... Oh yeah. Well, and I have an idea for that. I think I have an idea that might be able to help us maybe lighten our, our domain graveyards, but nice. uh, it'll be a fun episode, I think. But uh, what I like about the title is that it's not, you know, beholden to one programming language or even programming at all. It's, you know, we're uh, building something, we're learning something. It could be building life, building, learning from life. I think it sounds like we'll probably be approaching most things from a software lens or software developer lens. doesn't mean that we have to you know, like come away with a certain, you know, how to take this into your unit test or something like that, mm-hmm. but <laughs> figuring out uh, how we can, you know, have a holistic approach to, especially now with, you know, remote work and async cultures and things like that. And it'd be fun to just kind of see where we go with it because we're not only what we do at work. Yeah, totally. Totally. Speaking of that, you recently ran like several insane races <laughs> so I know the Reno Tahoe Open, which like is, is that, that's like, first tell us what the Reno Tahoe Open is, but then I feel like I saw another thing that you ran yeah. like 30 something miles. Yeah. So the, the Reno Tahoe Odyssey is something Reno I've Tahoe. done a lot of years and it's 178 miles, goes from Reno to Tahoe to South Tahoe to Carson to Virginia City and back to Reno. And, and usually teams do it with 12 people. So we did that with six people. 
essentially, so it was essentially an ultra. So we did about 31 ish miles per person over, it took us 25 hours to do that. Holy. Uh, and then there've been, a, there've been teams. There's like the, the four horsemen, they do it with four people. There was a guy who did it one year all by himself, 178 miles. Oh my gosh. Two and a half days. Very much under doctors like supervision and a nutritionist and a whole team just making sure he's still alive. But yeah, I've been running for a while. And then the the other one was just an ultra trail. It was my first ultra trail run. So that was a, a 50K down in Yosemite, which I was very prepared for, very trained for. The thing I was not trained for was 97 degrees and 50% humidity. So that I melted in that for sure. But yeah, so I'm taking a little bit of a rest now. Those are my, my races out of, out of the way. So that was like, what was the gap between was, it was like a week, right? Like one week. Yeah, they were, I took the work week off between those two. Okay. There were two back-to-back weekends and I took off work just knowing that I needed even if work wasn't going to be stressful, I was like, I need to sleep in every day, just let my body relax, rest, get my head right. And uh, yeah, it was, it was good. And in some ways it was also good to like, kind of help make sure that like I could take off that work for a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I, it'd been a while, I, you know, most of the time I take like a three day week weekend or something like that and just take a day off, but being able to take a week and be like, okay, can, you know, I know work can handle me being out, but like, let's yeah. make sure that everything's in its place so I can in the future. First of all, like I'm super interested to dig into like your training and all that at some other later date. But like, yeah, I mean, you bring up an interesting point about taking time off. And I think that's like a whole can of worms that we can probably do an entire episode on. That's like, you know, self-care, work-life balance, like actually taking time off and not just saying you're taking time off and like unplugging and all the different tips and tricks for unplugging. So yeah, it is a kind of a teaser for that episode. I discovered GitHub's time off feature. Amazing. Okay. Like if you're an open source contributor or you live in GitHub a lot, go Google that. We'll probably we'll find some notes for it. But if you get mentioned in a PR or an issue, it will tell them that you are off. Oh, wow. And it's that like is the amazing. email autoresponder thing. Like, yeah, but like yeah. Slack, you can set your status. But if someone messages you, they, it doesn't tell them that you're off. It just... says hey like okay they're out to lunch or whatever but like github will explicitly tell them i don't know what it looks like on the other end maybe we'll have to test it with each other but i know it worked because people were like oh sorry i know you're out you know type of messages right after (laughs) got it but yeah i think we can definitely go down that that rabbit hole and i know you're not you you had a unfortunate mishap with your leg when you moved out so running yeah. probably not not on your agenda for a little bit. Right. Yeah. That's like another whole thing we could get into. Right. So we, I, I moved from Nevada to New Hampshire in January. Also like a really challenging time to move smack in the middle of winter to New England. But right when we got here, I broke my ankle. And so I had to figure out like how to take <laughs> how to move. take time off, but also like how to move my family across the country, the broken ankle and everything. So, yeah, that's another good story for another time. But so. yeah, I've, maybe it makes sense. Like since this is the the origin story episode or the beginning, the intro. Well, why don't we get into just kind of like our our own backgrounds? I would like super curious how you actually got into development in general, and then also like how you got into web dev and because I this is actually a story I have never heard, and so I'm really <laughs> interested to hear. I know bits and pieces of this, but I'm super curious. 
Yeah, well, the reason why I wanted to do this in this way was I was listening to, I think it was Remote Ruby, and I think it was Jason was like cataloging like his entry into development. And I was like, just the callbacks to some of the technologies and things were just like, I miss and like remember. Some of them are painful memories. Some of them are things I miss. And so I thought it'd be fun for us to do this because it's a little bit of like who we are, but also gives us a kind of paints a picture of where we came from and and in terms of tech and i'm going to tease an episode we're definitely going to do which you know when we both kind of go into our backgrounds is that i don't know that there is a traditional background for software development anymore and i think you know for some of these it you know you don't have to have been around when homestead and geocities were around to be a developer you know css was barely a thing back then but like it's also very different to come into tech today, like all the things you have to learn or the expectations and things. So we'll, we'll kind of go back in time a little bit to when things were a little bit simpler. So for me, I think my earliest memory was more like checking out computer books at the library. And sometimes I would dig into the tutorials. The one that sticks out was like this huge Bible sized book that had, was called VRML, which was like virtual reality markup language. Probably it's so funny to think about now with like meta and the metaverse and all this stuff, but like didn't get very far in the making games and all of that more. So I would open up the files from old video games on my computer and like make them do things they're not supposed to do. So like one was a Star Wars game where you could like change and change the weapons to shoot different weapons and stuff like that. And, you know, it wasn't multiplayer. It wasn't hacking other people. So it was pretty harmless. But you start to just see that and i think kids today probably see that with minecraft and other things mm -hmm. uh and so that game actually it was, it was dark forces 2 for anyone who, who used to play that a long time ago i got into building a website for our guild and we had a little bit of a clan uh, around that and so we built websites around that and that's when i got into homestead and geocities and eventually when myspace came onto the scene you know learning a little bit of css i think a lot of people can empathize with that tweaking the website and i actually started to get paid by bands to make myspace band pages because they wanted nice. the band page to look completely different you know have their album art on it and all that kind of stuff and it was just like a lot of like the worst css you've ever seen just injected into the header <laughs> raining like sparkles and all oh that. yeah it's kind of like yeah scroll a whole lot of marquee text yeah you marquee, know? yep blink <laughs> Oh my gosh. That was, I feel like that was, it was like such an awesome sandbox and like entry point and kind of a gateway for so many devs. Like just thinking back just to MySpace yep. by itself, right? Like that was, I'm, I'm kind of sad that it died because it was such a great sort of launch point for so many people who I know that are in web dev. I'm did also you ever take like, with MySpace? Did I? Oh yeah. MySpace was for sure. That was like an entry point for me too. Yeah. Well, and it was also a weird time. I think right after that was when you started to see like an event apart, a book apart, Jeffrey Zeldman, a lot of the web standards type folks. I'm going to totally space on some of the Dan Cedar home. A lot of the things where, you know, people think of CSS today with Tailwind and Bootstrap and, and Zurb and some of these things, but you had, you know, CSS Zen Garden, huge mm -hmm. fan of that. I think I still have the first book on a bookshelf somewhere very different than what we have today the idea that you could drop a style sheet and get a new one 
and the whole site changes right now everything's little components or mm-hmm. it's 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 very interesting to watch and you had things like layer tennis so a lot of this was community based so are you familiar with layer tennis no what's that so in photoshop communities we would literally in a forum start with a base image and someone would do something to it in photoshop upload it the next person would do something else to it upload oh, it oh yeah okay I've and go this. back and forth and so you end up with like in some cases the whole image becomes something on the television screen in the background and they, mm-hmm. the, the designer decided to just basically throw it out and start over but sometimes it was just like an additive process which was a really cool way of just being a part of a community and and you know learning photoshop with other people or there was one where they were basically like every pane you everyone designed a block that was like a certain size but yours had to fit in with the one before you and then the mm-hmm. next person's would fit in with yours and so it was this like infinitely wide image that eventually was created by a whole community of people. That's super. There's like subreddits that do that now, right? Like there, I feel like there's definitely like Photoshop subreddits. And then also, yeah, there's, there's like, like a live a, canvas on Reddit. There's that too. Yeah. The live <laughs> canvas pixel thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Those so it's alive and well, which is good. It's yeah. Those are, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's such an interesting uh, experiment to have like a giant community creating art together. Yeah, obviously there's some bad stuff and some good stuff and whatever. <laughs> NFTs, you know, pixels. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, we already said NFT. We're only like, oh man, get out your bingo cards, everybody. We're gonna <laughs> figure out. If, especially, I mean, I think there's a pretty good bingo card here for just you know people to fill out technologies that they used when they were learning. Totally. Um, yeah. But you know, back in the day that I was doing all this, most of it was done in Notepad. I didn't even know that there were code editors, maybe there weren't at the time, but you know, no syntax highlighting, no indentation, no project folder. It was like, you know, opening just, I was on, I was PC at the time. So just opening up, you know, notepad, no notepad plus plus or anything Mm -hmm. like that. And I wish I had found that a little bit later, but actually the, the one tool that I think most people probably won't remember is something called Microsoft expression web. And that was response. Like I learned most of my CSS through that okay. uh, because it was a UI for can, like you could write CSS and it would create like a UI and you could just change them in the UI, which I think today you would look at like Webflow and some tools like that. It was very early around the time of Dreamweaver, which probably a lot of people remember that. Just so many good tools from back then. Totally. So that kind of leads me up to the college. Do you want to kind of go through up to college for you? And then we sure, can yeah. go back and forth. So let's see. The earliest thing I remember programming was games on like the TI-89 calculator. It was like oh, yeah. extra credit in math class to just type in code into a calculator. And I got bad grades, so I needed all the extra credit I could get. <laughs> and then, yep, same deal with MySpace for sure. And then... My, I had like a science teacher in high school that hooked me up with a job at UNR writing Perl scripts for the seismology lab. And it was supposed to be like, write this Perl that compares the earthquake data inside of UNR with the USGS, like the geological survey data. And it took me all summer and I didn't get anything working. And it was such a, it was such a shocking experience because I sat down and the first day they were like, okay, have you ever used like a Unix machine or a Linux machine? I'm like, no. And they're like, okay, this is Sun Solaris. And then they're like, here's a book on VI and here's a book on Perl. 
we want you to do this, this, and this. I'm like, okay, cool. See you in three months. And then, yeah, never got anything working. It was just kind of like. Okay. This, this makes more sense why you are so good at, at Vim now. (laughs) Oh, okay. So yeah. So I've been writing, (laughs) I've been using VI or Vim like since 2005, not like as my primary editor, but like I had to, then I didn't know that it was going to stick. So. Yeah, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to like just do a little screen recording of you running around in Vim one day. Oh my gosh. Sure, well, if people want to go check out the YouTube channel, like a shameless true. plug. <laughs> no, um, I mean, even at the dev meetup, like you are known in Reno at the dev meetup as the guy who does Vim really well. <laughs> I was like, yeah, hey, I that think... guy who works at Stripe who who's just crazy good at Vim. Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm okay. There's definitely people that are way, way, way more expert and like yeah, I've got a repo that's called the Vim Gym, which has like a bunch of tips that I basically just ripped from other people in industry that are good at Vim. And so if, if folks are interested in getting better at using Vim, but I, I guess every- this is where we do that whole, like, we'll put links in the show notes thing. Oh yeah. 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 We're getting our podcast muscle back here. Yeah. 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 But I feel like everyone uses VS code now, like sure. in the syntax.fm, they have this new supper club thing where they bring on guests and at the end they ask them like what computer do you use and what keyboard and what phone and all this and they always ask what editor and i feel like everyone just says vs code so i think if you're using vs code that's a pretty good choice right now yeah let's see oh so okay so after learning pearl stuff i started computer science and in like my very first computer science class i was sitting next to this student and working on she was like deploying a web site to something and it was like online and i think it was about like anime or some sort of fanfic thing that she was building and i was like please teach me how you did that <laughs> like that is so awesome like please will you just show me how to like take anything and put it on on the internet and she like was so gracious to be like okay yeah you just like upload it to a server and then you have to like point the domain at the server and i was like Okay, show me the steps because yeah. I yeah, I, I need I need my hand held through this. And so I had it was like one of those free web hosts where like once you get something up, it's iframed and there's just ads everywhere around it. But I was like, okay, this is great. And then I was like talking with my dad and he was like, Oh, that is a very in-demand skill being able to build websites. You should like go make those for businesses. And I literally knew like five things about PHP. <laughs> like I could do like an if statement and like I could print out HTML that I'd learned from MySpace and that was basically it. And, but I was like, okay, cool. Like I'm going to start a business. So I opened the yellow pages, which for all of you people who were born like after 2000s, like probably don't know what that is. <laughs> but in the yellow pages, I just started flipping through like the front of the book to find a business that didn't have their website on their like yellow page ad. And it was this air conditioning business. And so I I called a bunch and that was the, so I think I got like three no's and then I like just luck, luck, (laughs) luck, luck, luck. And I, (laughs) I got a yes from this air conditioning business that was like, yeah, sure. You could build our website. And I was like, okay, cool. 300 bucks. And so I went in, it was just a pamphlet site built in PHP covered. The whole site was just covered in ads, (laughs) but it was, yeah, it was a start. So. Yeah, in some ways, I'm happy that GeoCities and Homestead, every website that was ever made there, I think there is like an archive now, but 
so glad that some of those don't exist anymore just because i mean there were great ways to learn but i'm glad that my name is not on them and on the internet anymore yeah yeah so that like i mean what a what an interesting experience right like looking back at i i'm like terrified to look back at the like web archive or the wayback machine or whatever for, of my own stuff mm-hmm. it's just so nasty <laughs> yeah well and i was thinking while you were just talking about yellow pages like this might be the elder millennial show at the same oh yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is the elder millennial episode where we won't yeah. be uh, pining about you know days gone by in every episode but yeah 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 but i guess i think we both started computer science like around the same time right yeah i started computer science in 2005 okay cool so and, that uh, that sort yeah. of brings me up through that first semester or whatever in college nice uh, yeah yeah so so, you... f- so for me I will preface, I guess, spoiler warning is that I did not graduate in computer science. At UNR, they have very heavy, at least in 2005, very heavy curriculum focused on slot machines. I don't know if that was the same experience for you, but IGT was a really big sponsor of the computer science department. To be fair, probably the best job you could get out of computer science. So like, it wasn't necessarily a bad thing. We know a lot. We know a lot of developers who worked at IGT in Reno, and you know they were able to get their experience under under them from that. But for me, I was already doing these. So like even before college, there was a funny story about that. Uh, your air conditioning one reminded me of where I went into this housing company in Vegas that was like brand new houses, and they needed someone to work on their website. I show up. And the receptionist is like, how old are you? Because I was like 16, I think, at the time. And nice. I forgot if I like drove or got dropped off or something. And yeah. uh, and she's like, I told her how old it was. She's like, don't tell them how old you are when you go in there. Like just, <laughs> and they knew I could do the job and it was, it was painful. Like this was a website with no database and it was like a different page for every house, every model, every Oof. floor plan. And, you know, sliding window, CS, like not even CSS, but like rounded, rounded images for, oh, yeah. for stuff like that. Oh man. So good. So many good things. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so yeah. when you like were applying to college, did you know that you wanted to do, like, how did you know you wanted to do computer science? Like, how did you know that was like the right fit? That's a good question. I don't remember. I just knew I was going to UNR, picked computer science. I think up until then, I was pretty certain I was going to do political science, which is a little bit of a departure, okay. just because I really liked government and U.S. history and stuff like that. And then it actually, in in my freshman year, I started working at the college newspaper. They had an issue of needing to get all of their newspaper issues onto the web. And so I started doing that. And then it was the second year data structures class where usually that class is the one that thins the herd in the computer science department. And it definitely got me too. I thought I aced everything and I was like the lowest test score on the test or something like that. And so I was like, let's just shift degrees here and get out of, get out of college as quickly as I can. Mm. Okay. So I like, I had no idea what computer science was. I was before going in, I like had done some MySpace stuff and like this, this TI-89 thing or whatever. But like when I was actually applying to college, I was like, I like computers, like computers are fun. Like I, science. I know how to like <laughs> install Winamp and like Firefox. And that was really like kind of the, me pushing the boundaries of like actually telling a computer what to do. I did not know what programming was when I was like, yeah, sure. Computer science sounds like a good thing. And so I like put that down and 
somehow like got into it magically. I don't know like why they accepted me, but <laughs> yeah. So I also started computer science and I was also actually knocked out by that same class. Mm. That class like burnt me out and I was like, okay, I'm switching to business. So I switched my degree to business and did, did similar things. Yeah. And I did one semester of like, I was going to do IS like information systems. And I did one semester of economics and I got a D and I was like, economics is way harder and way worse than data structures and algorithms. I'm going back. So yep. yeah, but yeah, it's, it's so crazy how like we expect some kid who's 17 or 18 years old to like know what they want to do with their life at that point. And then also like follow through and take a bunch theory. of debt and stuff. Yeah. Take out a whole bunch of debt and then do this insanely hard thing without like, yeah, really understanding like what it's for, you know, yeah. long-term. Um, yep. I think there's definitely a meandering that we could do here. And I, I have no idea how long we've been recording for. So what I want to do, like, let me, let, let's both kind of do like a fast forward through college till okay. now. Yeah, because this is actually a pretty good time. So like for me, the most pivotal thing for me, I think, was when I was at that newspaper. So we had a thing called College Publisher that we used to put out our newspaper and MTV bought it and they just put MTV ads all over everything. And this was a big deal for us because we used to make money by selling those ads and MTV bought the CMS so they could just remove that, do their own ads. And so this is where I decided I'm going to build my own CMS for a college newspaper. And I found Ruby on Rails. I went to RailsConf 2009. So I think I'd already been playing around with building. I think like the, there was this book that specifically shows you how to build a CMS, which was, you know, just like the blog example that everyone's seen. And then I kind of got into the Rails world because of that. Went to RailsConf, had a really good time. I believe that was like, when GitHub was just being like started to be shown like on stage and it was just a really cool time to be there. And then I started to realize as I was going to school that I was going to graduate and no one was going to be able to actually support this app. And we moved to WordPress and I went down a multi-year WordPress rabbit hole and like ran Word WordCamp in Reno and just really kind of started bouncing around from Ruby to PHP HP to iOS, whatever other technologies were coming out at the time as the iPhone was, was starting to come out. I jumped into Salesforce development because, hey, I can make some money with this. So we're doing a bunch of stuff there. And then the, I guess all around the same time was when the recession hit. I was laid off. I was working for an agency doing WordPress and Salesforce stuff. Uh, I started to just kind of figure out like, just because I've been laid off doesn't mean I don't have skills. So I just decided to do my own business and have been kind of, and since then I've thought of myself as like professionally unemployable and mostly just worked for myself and done freelancing and started a co-working space at the same time because we needed an office. So we had an office and a little budding tech community, building stuff for clients, not charging enough, working too much, learning all the freelance woes that you do when you're a first time freelancer. And then I've done a few startups, been on the founder side, been on the first employee side, done some consulting with you and I on another startup together. And then it kind of all leads up to where I'm at now, which is at another startup. So that's kind of the fast forward for me. Awesome. Yeah. I think like the, 
being inside of an agency sounds super fun because it you like the the allure is that you always get new stuff to work on you get to try out a whole bunch of technologies and you get to work on a bunch of different interesting projects but it sounds like maybe you got bounced around to things you didn't want to do is that somewhat accurate it was actually usually me that that did it so like we used okay. salesforce at the agency and i was like hey we can make this better and i would just mess around with it and then like hey we could sell your time to, to do that to other clients mm, salesforce is cool and I was at the time, I think I was getting paid like $15 an hour, but being billed out at like $250. Oh my God. And gosh. that was where I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> and when I was laid off, I was the only quote unquote Salesforce person at the company. So I got to take all those clients with me. Ooh. That was that was how the co-working space started was we got it. bootstrapped off of those customers. And I definitely didn't renegotiate. Like the contracts were the contracts. I was like, this is how much you were paying before this is how much you're going to pay now. And so that was nice. It still didn't help with burnout and, you know, all of that, but it was nice to, you know, not start from zero. And I think it was because if they didn't give me those clients, they were going to get sued because yeah. they couldn't do the work anymore once they got right. rid of me. Okay. Interesting. So lots of startups is, is your current gig the biggest place you've ever worked? It is. Yeah. So I'm at a company called Orbit now. We're about 50 people today. It's a VC-backed startup. Um, and I've been in bootstrapped companies and I've been in some smaller, you know, I've done my own where we didn't raise as much money. And I think we grew to like four people when I was doing CloudSnap. But yeah, definitely the biggest that I've been at. Cool. Yeah. I feel like you've done it all uh, in like the tech space starting doing incubator doing the co-working space working at small companies working at medium-sized companies doing agency work doing freelance work doing yeah well but it's work. really weird when you do that right because i've always thought and i think even my parents wonder like if you just did the the one path like my resume is the strangest thing and it's one of the weirdest things to have interviews with people right because you have to explain away a lot of things you have to talk about why it's you know it's a very wide thing and never really was as deep it's super nice now at Orbit to kind of go deeper into Rails and remember like all the stuff I was working on back in those, you know, college days of playing around with, you know, whatever version we were on. This was like pre-merb days of Rails. And then all the way till now where, you know, we have a million JavaScript frameworks and all that stuff. But yeah, I think we, but I think at the same time, we both have a winding path, you know, and detours and things like that too. So so what happened, I guess, for you after 2005? Yeah. So let's see. Stayed. I stayed in college, but I left. I like took a break to join the military. So I joined the National Guard, which required that I miss one semester at least. I took one semester off, went to basic training, did my like job training. My job was like doing networking stuff. Came back to college. Went back to CS, did a bunch of CS stuff, and then got a job maintaining just like you were. It's so funny. The college newspaper thing is because this was like also a student union, like maintaining the like website for the student union. I built like this app for like students who wanted legal advice. They could get like free legal advice through the student union by signing up through this application. And it kind of like did all the scheduling and stuff. Nice. That was built with .NET. And then... I got hooked up with someone doing a bunch of freelance and doing contract gigs to build out one time, like just one-off apps that were all like ASP.net with 
very heavy Microsoft kind of like, you know, Microsoft SQL backends running on like Windows Server R2 and all this other, like deploying the IIS and whatever, like, yeah, just kind of of FTPing the files up into like a Windows Server that's across town that's on-prem plugged into some business, you know? (laughs) And then in... So I did that like most of college just kind of like, and then near the end of college, before I graduated, I deployed 2011. So for my, my four-year degree took me seven years, <laughs> deployed in 2011. And while I was in Afghanistan, learned just like a ton of stuff about Cisco networking. So like went through all the CNA, CCNP stuff to get certified and really build out like huge networks all over the Western and Southern region. And then did a bunch of security stuff too, which was weird. Like went through the CISSP training and then got like certified. And that, that was like another really odd detour, like to learn all this security, high security stuff. Came home and decided I'd never want to do networking ever again. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, is any of that security stuff has it been useful in what you do today? Or is it like completely different? Oh my gosh, this test is like so wild. So it's over the... It's, it's, it's a test that covers 10 domains. And for instance, one of them is like a physical domain and they'll, they'll like quiz you on, oh, if this is the security you need for your facility, how tall should your fences be? And yeah. which direction should the barbed wire lining like face? And like, should it's you like have data bar- center stuff for sure? Yeah. 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 Like if you wanted to set up like a super, super secure data center and it was like that all the way down to like, how do you evaluate your like threat vectors through, I don't know. There's, it was just, yeah, it was, it was super, super intense. It was everything from software all the way out to like cameras and yeah. And yeah. now you're like, okay, I need to make sure I permit some strong params here. Yeah. And that's it. exactly, it was like, okay, yeah. I'm just going to avoid some SQL injection attacks. Like, I'm on HTTPS. Like, like this is yeah, easy. just <laughs> sanitize your params, people sanitize your params. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Just never trust users and then you'll be okay. Yeah. Uh, then yeah. So back in, back at UNR finished learning a bunch of CSS or I'm sorry, C++, but then also did like a bunch of IS classes. And then after I graduated with my computer science undergrad, I started an MBA focused on information systems and realized that an MBA is mostly just a whole bunch of templates, like Google doc templates and white papers that you have to read. I was like, okay, I think I could find these templates online and also these white papers. I've read some of them <laughs> just for fun. So I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. Went and got a job at a finance company where we were tracking insider trading. We wrote VB.net. It was like VB6 or something. That was wild. That was a fun, fun little detour. And then <clears throat> after that, I went to work on writing, building tools for liquid handling robots. Uh, okay, that's the shared company that I know. I know you so. Yeah, I was not there, but that's another one of the many companies that a lot of Reno people go work at. Yes, yeah, I was not a fan of the experience, and so like I had heard of these like become a hacker boot camp things, and I was like, oh, I want to be a hacker. That sounds fun. So I like I just like found a couple online and then applied to one called App Academy, and this was like I think Dev Bootcamp had just done like their first cycle or something, their first cohort. And so this, this is like very early in like the boot camp. I don't know, the the history of boot camps basically. Yeah, this is like the beginning of that wave because now it's like everyone's graduating from boot camps, which is which is great. Yeah, tons but. of boot camps now. But I was like, oh cool, like I want to be a hacker. I thought it was going to teach us like 
web security, like how to become like a pen tester. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, I want to be like a, you know, elite, elite hacker or whatever. And so I was like, okay, let me try to get into this thing. So they, there's like an entrance exam and all this. And so as part of it, you have to write a little bit of Ruby. And so I was starting to study Ruby on my lunch breaks from that robot company. I would like get in my car, race as fast as I could to Starbucks at lunch, sit down, break up my computer and like write as much Ruby as I could during my lunch and then like slam it shut, run back and like cry as I wrote C sharp. <laughs> and then I was like, from what I've heard, that's not a, an overstatement either. Like you guys had really short lunches and yes. like very militant. It was hard work schedule. Yeah. 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 It was, it was, it was a software team that was run like a, you know, industrial manufacturing Warehouse, team. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I fell in love with Ruby. Okay. So I, I, we moved to the Bay area. I attended app Academy as a bootcamp attendee. Turns out you don't learn how to become a hacker. You learn how to write Rails, like Ruby Rails. Crud apps. <laughs> uh, you build web apps. And I was like, oh, like I kind of know some of this. And I definitely am learning a ton. And I felt like it was a really awesome way to learn. It was very like immersive. And you were super, it was like really, really intentional to like teach you web dev stuff that I did not learn in college. So I, after graduating App Academy, I became a TA. And then after, TAing for one cohort, I became like the lead instructor for San Francisco. And I did that for a couple of years, which I think if people are curious about how to accelerate their learning, I think being a TA is like, I think the, the absolute best way to increase the speed at which you're going to learn something. And the reason is that I think you're limited by the number of bugs that you run into yourself. Mm -hmm when you're just trying to learn on your own. And if you can learn through a bunch of people that you're teaching at the same time, they're all going to run into other weird things. And then they'll start coming to you with those and you'll start to like build up experience and kind of like build up the knowledge and cache all of the solutions to all those bugs, you know. Well, and you have to also explain it to them in a way that makes sense, right? So you're doing that over and over again. That too, yeah. Like you to really explain. have to know what you're doing. And even something simple, it's like, this could be simpler or something that's mm -hmm. hard. It's like, how am I going to explain this? Yep, exactly. Exactly. So that's, that was, I don't know, for me, that was a, a, an incredible time of learning. And then let's see, when I left App Academy, I got a job at a super small startup writing Python and we were building a Django app for the vacation rental space. I did that for four years, mostly building API integrations. And then I burnt out on product work. I was like, I don't want to build products anymore <laughs> super stressful so let's let's take a little break and then yeah i joined stripe and that's where i'm at today i am not building products but i am helping people integrate and it's uh it's a blast so awesome yeah at the end there we have a lot of similarities with small and i guess not not the big big startups similarities but startups api integrations ruby boot camps, teaching, all that stuff. And you're, you teaching at App Academy makes a whole lot of sense with you being in DevRel today too. I mean, it's very similar skill set and empathy for the learner, but then also like, you know, your, your screencasts that are, you know, make you popular on the internet today and <laughs> internet I, famous. I love, I love teaching. And I also love, I think like it's, hiding behind the terminal and hiding behind code has become sort of a crutch because I think it, at first it's super uncomfortable for someone to just open up their terminal and start writing code in front of someone else. 
But once you do it enough, you realize that like there is enough value trying to talk through what you're seeing on screen and like explain what you're trying to do in that like the the outcome or like the end result of what you build ends up being better that I think, I don't know, I think it's like a good way for anyone to learn and build in public. So definitely. Um, yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, those are a little bit of our origin stories. I think we'll, we'll, we'll re-listen back to this and see if it's good radio or not, but I think it helps to kind of paint that picture of like one, how much tech has changed and how we've had to learn with it. I don't know if it would have been better to, like start today or if it was better to kind of like incrementally because there's like things we don't use anymore but we also didn't have to learn it all at once it was like a small step towards what we have today and you can see why things like tailwind exist and why things you know exist the way they do and versus like today you're like which language which framework which thing do i learn and mm -hmm. you've got people saying some languages are dead and some things are you know and it's like okay everyone says that every few years but what can i get a job with that's that's a big one totally yeah i think that would be a good topic too in the future is just like how do i pick a programming language how do i pick a framework yeah because i think we both well other than our little forays in high school and college like we both got thrown into C++, which I have more appreciation for today, having used Ruby, right? It's like, okay, a string is a string, but like, what is a string doing underneath? Mm -hmm. Those are things that like, yeah, I want to go into C or C++ to see that stuff. But yeah. you make, make me learn a pointer from day one and you're like, I don't know why I'm doing this. Right. But now that we've kind of covered our origin stories here, I think we're going to continue to evolve where the show goes. We're going to do a lot more topical episodes probably have some guests on i think that's going to be really fun for for both of us but until then we can you can follow us online i am at colin lorettes which we'll put in the show notes on twitter and pretty much everywhere online how about you cj i'm at cjavdev on twitter and everywhere else online perfect we'll put both those in the show notes and we'll see you next time bye friends adios